This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. How do you deal with a business that is failing? Who do you call when things are not going to plan? What advice would my guest give his younger self? The answers to these questions and so much more are on the show today. Glad you're tuning in. But before we get too into the show, I want to invite you to get my top five productivity tips. It's actually more than my top five productivity tips, but you can go to top5productivitytips.com. That's the number five, top5productivitytips.com. Don't just get them and read them, implement them, and watch your productivity soar. For over 30 years, Simon Leslie has dedicated his career to creating travel publications that have been held by anyone who's flown on a plane in the last few decades. Now he is ready to share his lessons and outlook with other business leaders who find themselves under duress. Simon, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. And not just under duress. I mean, if they if they want to live the life of their dreams, you know, most people start a business for freedom and then they end up giving up a nine to five job for a 24 hour job and, and not doing half the things that they promised themselves they would do. And you know, I, was I find that, that fascinating. That, that is utterly fascinating that people get one shot at this life. One. That's it. You get one shot at this life. So why not do something you love to do when people go, oh, I hate my job. I hate what I'm doing. I'm like, so why are you doing it? I, I, I don't understand why people go to work because they get good perks. They get good money and they're utterly miserable. Why would you want to do that? Too many people do it and they continue to do it. I spent all day today talking to 20 to 30 year olds about being in sales and and they keep coming back. And say, I don't think I want to be in sales. And I think, and I'm battling this conversation. And it's it's a linguistics conversation. It's a semantics conversation. It's not even a real conversation. It's a conversation they're having in their head about what life is going to be. And 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 unfortunately, at 23, you've got no idea what life's all about. You know, I'm going to be 54 this 54 this year. My goodness, 54 years, and I still haven't got a clue what life's all about. So yep. I'm still learning. Yeah, you don't have a clue when you're in your 20s. I just celebrated my 57th birthday a couple of days ago, and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So <laughs> it's okay. Life is meant to be, well, I think I want to do this. No, I want to do this. Oh, that is cool. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to go to school, get an MBA, and work at a law firm. There's many more paths to life. But one thing that really in your introduction that really piqued me. So you used to write travel publications. Tell us more about that. Well, I still do. So I started off, I failed four times, I think, before I started this business. So failure is a definite um, uh, ingredient in in the recipe of my life. I've failed at many things. And even in this business, since 95, 94, we started, blimey, 20... 28 years ago, we had 9-11. We had the financial crisis. We had the European crisis where every European country was going bust. And then we had a self-inflicted crisis where we decided to self-destruct ourselves as a business by over-investing in digital. So that, that, that's, that's the foundation of my business. So I'd overcome all these hurdles, and then along comes 2020, and that, that, was, that was worse than all those four put together. But um, early in the 2000s, we realized we were good at publishing um, in-flight magazines. 
And we made the decision as a leadership team, we were going to, going to dominate the space. We had three airlines in, in Europe. And we said, come on, let's go out and take over the world. And sort of from 2003 to 2007, we, we won about 50 different airlines. Now, about 40 of them went bust within that period as well, because there were so many new airlines coming and then the, the fuel spike. So half of them disappeared. But we got good at this. We became the de facto supplier. and We dominated the space. Somewhere around 2007, everyone said to us, print is dead, print is dying, it's the end of the in-flight magazine. You need to come up with some other way, otherwise you're going to be gone. Echo 2019, we had our best ever year, 25% bottom line growth, 39 in-flight magazines, sorry, 36 in-flight magazines, 39 airlines, absolutely flying on (laughs) metaphorically physically flying all (laughs) over the world united american singapore qatar etihad easyjet brussels airlines every continent ethiopian airlines you know we we were the we were the i i I sound the world record holder for publishing in flight magazines i've published more in flight magazines than anybody else so i i got really good at it and then along came this pesky pandemic and in, in a heartbeat, wiped out an industry just like that. Yeah. Now, I recently flew United, because you mentioned United, and they have Hemisphere. Is that what you're affiliated with? Yes, it's ours. No kidding. Wow. Small world. I mean, <laughs> I confess I didn't read it because I. you mentioned print. I love print books. I don't read. On my daily runs, I'll listen to audio books, but I love print books so if an author says hey i'll send you my ebook i'm like i won't read it yeah i I like a print book there's something to me of holding a print book yeah you can mark in it and i know you can mark in the ebooks but i'm with you when you hold a print magazine when you hold a print book it's totally different it's ephemeral it's taken me it's taken me 10 years to even pronounce that word properly but it is that it is that tactile feel and look and 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 someone keep asking me what you know how did you dominate this space and i said because most people would wait to rfp to start to think about how they would improve their product and then they get to the rfp and say right give us a contract for five more years and this is the things we're going to do i started doing that from day one this is what we're going to keep improving and we're going to constantly improve so the RFP stopped coming because we kept getting better and better. We didn't, we didn't look, we didn't wait to be asked. We were like, okay, we have to make this a better product. We now, what to- is RFP for those listeners who don't know what, that, what the letters stand for? Uh, request for, do you know, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I- Pass. <laughs> Pass. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, go look up RFP on your own. Uh, he's just an industry guy and he just used industry technology, uh, terminology. No big deal. But listen, one of the questions I teased this podcast with is how do you deal with a business that is failing? I guess you're, you're beginning to get into that because y- you had the COVID and, you know, when COVID hit, I remember that first of all, people were in denial. Ah, this isn't going to affect me. And then it spread around the whole world. But here's something I really found fascinating. There were two groups of people. There are the people who they put their head in the sand and like, I'm not going to do anything until this thing passes. And then there are people like me who said, look, I'm going to do what I can every day to continue living. And guess which group is doing better today than the other one. You want to take a guess at that? You want to pass on that one as well? (laughs) 
the 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 opportunities were were abundant, mm-hmm. and and I think opportunities are abundant. Full stop. Yes, and, and and I think that that's the thing that most people don't realise is every day we're getting propositioned by opportunities, but because most of us are closed minded got our head up our backside we're not looking and open and ready for for things to happen we miss them and yep. uh, i think that that time that uh, that time where we got something that we'd crave for for so long which was time many people wasted it many yes. people abused it they watched too much tiger king they watched too many too much netflix so, yep. to the point that there's nothing on netflix to watch now because i watched it all <laughs> during the pandemic yes but but I, I I started keeping a diary, uh, and 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 my new book is the diary of those twenty four months. What oh, I wow. did, what I did, how I did it, how I behaved, how I dealt with rejection, depression, anxiety, crises, crisis after crisis. I had people crises. I had contract crises. I had airline crises. I had airport crises. They were they were coming at me so fast and furious. I didn't know what to do. Mm. You know. Do you bury the phone or do you answer the phone? You know, the, all the different challenges that you've probably never experienced, quite experienced before. You've had unhappy clients before. You've had unhappy staff before. But when you haven't got the answers to the questions they're asking you, then you've got to start making stuff up. Mm-hmm. That, that's interesting that you wrote it down because one of the things I tell my clients when they say, oh, I'm so overwhelmed, and I'm like, okay, did you write it down? They go, what do you mean? Write it down. Well, you're, you're keeping in the head, keeping it in your head, which means you're going to forget about it when you're struggling. I don't care if it's overwhelmed. If you got to, if you notice you start, you know, losing your breath or you start having knee pains, write it down. You don't trust your brain, but not only did you write it down, but you said, Hey, let me share these lessons in a book, but you can't do that. If you don't write it down, and I just think that people in this day and age of 2022 are not taking the time to write it down. I journal every day. I think it's important because I know I can't trust my brain. Absolutely. And, and you know, I'd go back and I'd think about things, and then I'd go through my emails as well because what really happened? Because there was nothing, there was nothing that happened that week. And then when I started looking through the email and through my calendar, I kept saying, okay. You know, I missed that part. I forgot that part. Or, mm. And then I started looking at the newspapers as well, going back a year earlier and saying, well, what happened in the world that day? Why, why, did, why, why was there suddenly a spike of resignations that week? Or why did the airlines do that that week? And it was really interesting overlaying all the different filters to get a real interesting picture of what was going on. And, and you're right, we've never had anything like this before. There's never been a time when – you know, the houses of prayer were closed, the schools were closed, the nightclubs were closed. The, you know, travel accounts for 10% of GDP. You just shut that down, completely shut down an industry. And, and what's happening now is it's coming back so quickly. The yes. airlines cannot cope. They, they predicted the, um, the return to travel that we're having today in uh, Q4 2023. And here wow. we are in June 2022, and and they're going. We've got to cancel flights. We've got too many people coming through the airports who are understaffed. You know, the, yesterday uh, United announced they're going to cut five percent of flights out of Newark because not because we haven't got pilots, not because we haven't got staff. Just we cannot cope. The airport cannot cope with what's going on right now, and it's beautiful for me. Yeah. Now you're obviously in England. I'm over here in Houston, Texas, in the United States. And my wife sells cruises, ocean cruises. 
And that was the last industry that they allowed to open up. Okay. Because you had to have a COVID test. You had to be vaccinated or wear masks. Well, all those restrictions are pretty much gone. And they've gone from, well, when we're going to cruise again to everybody wants to cruise now. And now if you book a cruise, apparently it, you're, you're waiting months to go on a cruise and people are traveling again. They're getting on planes. And unfortunately, the last couple of times I've been on a plane is because my mother was, was dying and she finally passed away a couple of weeks ago. But a lot of people are, they've been so pent up for two and a half years they want to get out and see places so hotels are are booked you know you can't get a rent a car you can't get a plane you go to disney world or universal or sea world i don't know about over in the united kingdom everything's busy because people finally feel free and i i, I didn't hear about the q4 of 2023 so it's very fascinated that it happened in i think we're Q2 going into Q3 right now in 2022. So almost a year ahead of time. That's why people are caught unaware. No, absolutely. They, they just did not. I don't know why they didn't say it coming because it was obvious that people had been trapped in their houses and, and they, and they missed loved ones and they missed funerals. They missed, you know, a lot of those things, you know, you were lucky that you got to do some of the things that people couldn't do two or three years ago or, you know, one or two years ago. And, and I, I'm sorry for your loss, but the, the, the market is crazy. I tried to buy a ticket for Christmas, and every day I procrastinate, it cost me $1,000 more. So I this went, Christmas in 2022? Yeah. Wow. Every day it's going up $1,000. So wow. I, I, I just said to my team, I'm going to bring you over to London for two weeks. thinking yeah, it'll cost me, I don't know, 800 bucks a ticket for a flight, and I'll get a hotel room. I can't get a hotel room in London for under 15,000 pounds for two Whoa. weeks. Whoa. Right, the hotels are full. Chocker, the flight—a flight from Miami to London, which used to be seven hundred fifty bucks—is two thousand two hundred dollars each. So you tell me there's a recession coming. You tell me that there's a spending issue coming. I don't believe you. I don't believe it's going to affect me. I do not believe that people will put will sacrifice travel. They never did in all the way through the two thousands. They didn't sacrifice it at all. It was the thing that that kept them going, and it's the thing that gives people life. Wow. You know, what's interesting is United is the only airline that flies nonstop from Houston to Orlando. My parents live south of Orlando. And so the pricing there hasn't really gone up that much because it's essentially a shuttle going back and forth. And as a matter of fact, back in May of this year, first time I ever flew first class because the coach tickets were $500 and first class was 800. I'm like, oh, $300 more to fly first class. And I did it and I flew first class again two weeks later because my mom was uh, getting ready to die. And the tickets are still only $800, but that's only from Houston, Orlando. Now, if I went from Houston to LA, oh, those prices shoot through the roof. So I'm kind of sheltered over here, um, but I know prices are going up. And I, I do believe there's some gouging going on because a lot of these travel agencies, you know, remember when planes flew with one person on there. <laughs> now they're like, hey, we need to recoup this money. So I believe there's a little of that going on. Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated? Are you under a lot of stress? There's a better way. You only get one life, so why not feel peace and freedom and enjoy your life? You can. Find out more at 90daystobustingoverwhelm.com. And there's demand. You know, yeah. when, when you've got demand, you can charge what you like. Yeah. And those planes are full now. Every plane, I've taken two flights in the last six weeks to Florida. Every plane 
you know, we're looking for volunteers to take another flight. I'm like, I'm not doing that because what if that flight's booked and that flight's booked and that flight's booked? No, I'm going to be on my plane. Now, another question we have to answer is who do you call when things are not going to plan? Now, I don't know if you remember Ghostbusters, but when I started reading that right away came to my head is, is he going to tell us he calls Ghostbusters? (laughs) I call Ghostbusters. There's a, there's a part in the introduction of the book where I say, you know, if you've got a problem and you don't know who to call, call me. You know, like like a scene from the A Team. When you've got a problem, you don't know who to call. Call the A Team. Yes. Because I, when I had my problem, I I reached out to fifty odd people and said, "Could you come and help me?" And I was very lucky because. Oh, the majority of them said yes, they'd help me. So the book is a is a um, a narrative of the conversations they had with my team. So those those people came, they talked to my team for an hour, two hours, some of them three hours, and they kept them going. Now these are subjects on they're, they're soft subjects: motivation, kindness, gratitude, health, well being, spirituality, serendipity. A little bit of negotiating, a little bit of Jordan Belfort, a bit of swearing. You know, all diff- all different types of people came and they talked to my team. And so I, so I, I'm, I, I, I called people who I thought could help me, and I was, I was very grateful that they did. In in my life, I have, um, I have a friend of mine who we met on my first day at work when I was 17 years old. He and I came from completely different parallel universes. He'd been in prison, I think, three times before his 17th birthday. He'd been a single dad at 15. So he, he's a completely different person to me. And we have become this sort of yin and yang over the last 35 years. And he now has three Lamborghinis, lives you know amongst all the film stars. And, and when I'm feeling down, I phone him up and I say, listen, Pete, I don't, I don't know what to do. And most of the times he'll say, Wipe your mouth, stop being a baby, and move on. And, and sometimes, sometimes that's sometimes that's all I need. It's like you know, I know I'm I know I'm being petulant, but you need somebody there to to tell you that story. You know, that's so important because a lot of people they go, "Well, I'm having a problem," and they feel shame reaching out. But if you look at every successful person from your friend, Pete to Grant Cardone's Gary Vaynerchuk's Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, they ask for help. So there's no shame. Actually, I think you're a stronger person. If you reach out and says, Hey, uh, Simon, I'm struggling with something. What would you do in my situation? I think there's power in that. It's like when you're asking for directions, if you open the window and you say, can you help me? People's guard comes down. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it's the most natural thing. If you want information, is to say, "Can you help me?" I always say to people when you're um, when you're phoning, and you phone up and say, "Can I speak to the marketing manager?" And I say, "No, no, no. Can, can you help me, please?" And they go, "Sure. What do you need? Yeah. Can you just put me through to the marketing manager?" Of course, I can. It's a complete. It defuses yes. the situation. Help is the one of the one of the easiest things to ask and one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. And what's interesting is we're all humans and what human doesn't want to help someone else. So like I mentioned, I'm here in America and we have this clash of the Republicans and the Democrats. Now I'm unapologetically, I'm a conservative and I don't care for Nancy Pelosi, 
But if I was going down the road and she had a flat tire, not that she would be driving herself, she's probably the driver, I would help her. Why? Because she's a human being. Okay. I, you're a human being. Everyone's a human being. And I just think that we need to start looking for how we can help other people. You may not agree with them. I have a lot of friends who are progressive liberals. We still get along. We just don't talk about politics. But the asking for help is so powerful. So maybe you're writing a blog post and you've run it through Grammarly and you're like, this doesn't sound right. Well, send it to one of your friends and say, hey, what is your initial reaction on this? Or if you're going to create a course or you're going to name your program, reach out and say, hey, what do you think? Can you help me? Those are so powerful words. But to your point, they're easy to say, but not easy to say. I got a text today from somebody I, I don't particularly know that well. And he just said, I've been reading all your posts online and I've been, been following what you're doing. And I've been doing my business for 25 years and I can't, you know, on and on about the problems. And I just said to him, okay, I, I'm at home on Monday. Do you want to have a coffee? He goes, sure. Can we meet on Wednesday? I said, no, no, Monday. Oh, well, I'm not sure. I said, okay, <laughs> there's the answer <laughs> to your problem. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you mentioned that there's advice that you would give yourself, your younger self. You said you're 54. I think you're pretty clear on that now. You're 54? Uh, yeah, nearly. Okay. Okay. Two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> okay. Two weeks. Well, happy early birthday. <laughs> so if you could go back in time, let's say there a time machine did exist and you can go back in time. What would you tell your younger self? Obviously, you've written several books about this, but give us a couple of things you would tell your younger self. I think I'm blessed actually because I get to do this every day. My my well, he's now 23 as of yesterday. My 23 year old son, wow. he came he came from school um, and came to work for me. So for the first three years of his life out of school, he he got put in the roughest teams, got the the, the hardest managers, and and got a real education in sales. And then during COVID, when everybody else was leaving, he came up to me, he goes, Dad, I know, I know you've had a hard week, but I'd like to leave too. And I'd like to start my own business. And I said, good, that's what I always wanted you to do. And uh, he and I, um, I encouraged him and he did it. And he started off doing it in his bedroom. And now he's got the fastest growing influencer agency in the UK. Wow. He's gone from two influencers to over 100. And I feel like I'm coaching my 21 year old self 22 year old self oh cool and we're and we're having these conversations and we're talking about stuff and and st you know what would i do what would you do how could we do this together how can we how can you make situations better and it's been the most beautiful um connection in terms of our relationship he's following my playbook so he's using the the model that i built this business on he's listening to what i'm saying and he's becoming hugely successful at the same time so as a father, that makes me incredibly proud. So your son listens to you. And I'll see if you, if you are a son or a daughter and you are, I, I got news for you. You weren't like put here from Martians. Uh, do you listen to your parents? My father's 81 years old and every once in a while he'll say something. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. But I think a lot of people will judge the younger generation and we judge the older generation and we judge our peers. And when we're judging people, we're not listening. And I, I always, I always say that you could learn lessons in life anywhere from the person that's in your local grocery store or the crossing guard at school. If you keep your ears and eyes open, there are lessons to be learned anywhere. So 
What is one piece of advice you would give your younger son? Your not your younger son. Let's let's take him out of the equation for a second. If you can go back in time, because we go back to when you're 17, that's like what 34 years ago. Yeah, which puts us back what 1980s, 1970s. What would you tell that person if you could? I'd say find people who are going the way you're going. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're asking for advice, there's there's three people you're looking for. Someone who's done what you want to do, someone who's going the same direction as you want to go to, and somebody who, who who you would swap places with. If you wouldn't swap places with them, don't take any of their advice. <laughs> and, and just on the on the last part, you know, there are lots of successful people who listen to their parents and it costs them money. And I think it's I think it's really important, and I say this to him as well. You know, I can give you my opinion on anything. And it might be right or it might be wrong. You've got to then add your own formula to that. Because if my dad was a taxi driver or my dad was a, you know, a, a plumber, a painter, a decorator, asking him business advice is going to be, it's, you know, it's like water off a duck's back. It's, yes. it's the wrong person. You've got to ask the right people, the right converse, have the right conversations with the right people. And that's why mentors, coaches, people who, who are going where you want to go, who've being where you want to go is the is the best bit of advice I would give anybody. Yeah, and if you want to like lose weight, don't ask a fat person. <laughs> if you want to get marriage advice, you know we've all heard this. Don't ask someone who's been divorced six times. You want to go with someone like you said who is where you want to be. So one of the people I study under is Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone, if you don't know him, he's a master salesperson. He owns two forty million dollar properties, owns a private jet, owns a private helicopter, but he started. When he lost his father in the early age, I think he was 10, he got involved in taking drugs and selling drugs, and he was at the bottom, and he dug himself out. And I look at that inspiration because I was never that bad when I was growing up. And so one of the things he says, and I've heard other people say it as well, if one person has done what you want to do, means you can do it too. And even if they haven't done it, you can be the first. But too many people are like, well, this is my lot in life, Simon. No one in my family's ever done X, Y, and Z. Well, why don't you be the first? Why don't you be the first one to go to college? Why don't you be the first one to start your own business? Too many people are getting wrapped up in excuses. The information's out there, whether it's on social media, books like yours, or courses or conferences, the information's out there. So if you want to become successful, the information's out there, pure and simple. You know why most people don't do it? Because they trade what they want for what they want right now. Ah. Instant gratification. Impatience. <laughs> yeah. And you can look at Facebook. Facebook was, I think, launched in 2004. It wasn't launched last week. All these platforms took years to build. You look at someone like Grant uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, came over from Belarus, had nothing, couldn't even speak English. Now he's a, a major player in the influence world on social media, but he worked at it every day and anybody can achieve that if they want to. But to your point, we live in a microwave society. Now people want everything right now. They don't want to wait. So as we come to the end of our time together, what other wisdom and insights do you want to drop on us today? I just, I just want to tap on that Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, he's in Canada at the moment talking and it's like his voice is the voice that everyone's listening to. It doesn't matter what, the big agencies are saying, what's Gary saying? What's mm-hmm. Gary's opinion of where we're going with marketing? And I think that, you know, when you become that powerful, 
that the whole industry sits up and listens to what you've got to say, you know you have a, you've definitely achieved it. And that where does that come from? It comes from 365 days of of being consistent with your message. It comes with consistency, consistency, and consistency. And if you're not consistent, if you're not prepared to put in the the hard yards at the beginning of your career, you know, if you want to become a nun, it's four years of locking yourself away. No material things, no clothes, no brands, nothing. You, you're going to commit to something and you're going to become something. And I guess, you know, you don't have to go that far, but in whatever industry you're going to be in, you're going to commit to something. And if you don't make that commitment to yourself and stick to that commitment, stop lying to yourself, you're going to be equally disappointed with the result. I, I think I committed myself to sales. I became a master of selling, understand selling, understand hypnosis, body language, linguistics, semantics, micro expressions, anything that could help me improve my performance in sales to the point that I could sit down with anybody and have a conversation and a negotiation. Mm. That's what makes a difference. So if you do want to become half decent at anything, put the time, put the commitment and don't, no, I was going to say don't give up, but you can't, sometimes it's okay to give up. Yeah. You know, sometimes you need to stop and, and re, re, take reroute. Fun fact. Do you know that Gary Vaynerchuk is the reason why the Mark Stuchowski podcast exists? There you go. Yeah. July in spring of 2017, I heard Gary say the future is voice and audio and everybody needs to have a podcast. And I'm like, Oh, I can start a podcast and I launched it July 7th, 2017. So coming up real soon, my five year anniversary. But had I not heard Gary say that I may not have the podcast. So again, I was listening, but I wasn't just listening, Simon. I did something. See, learning. Great. You learn how to sell. Are you selling stuff? Because now it's that's why in the beginning I told people to get my top five productivity tips. I don't want you to just get them and read them. I want you to implement them. That's where the magic happens. So, Simon, where can people go to find out more about you? Where can they get your books and all that good stuff? So the company's called Inc. Global, inc-global.com. So if you want to understand what we're doing in the travel media space, you know, we've gone through um, a severe beating and we've come out the other end smiling and smelling of roses. And we're growing again. And I want people, I want to build a, a, an amazing business with amazing people. So I really am looking for more people to come and join us. If you want to find out a bit more about me, go to luckylesley.com and you can find all my books there and my poetry and everything else that I do to keep sane. And just follow me anywhere you want. Find me on LinkedIn, follow me on Instagram. You'll find somebody who's living life to the full. You know, I didn't want to go through COVID and not come out with a gift. And my gift to myself has been to have, to have a life that people talk, you know, people, my friends are asking me if I've retired and, you know, turned into a, into a, into a a travel correspondent because one minute I'm here, next minute I'm there, next minute I'm at some (laughs) football game and they're like, "What, what have you done with your life? And I said, no, I'm just, I'm just enjoying it. I'm making the best of every single day. I love it. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today and sharing your insights with us. A fascinating conversation, sir. Thank you. And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age. 
but you took the time to listen to the episode, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.